0: I'm Becky. I'm Nicole. And this is the Twisted Sisters podcast. Another week, another, another week. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't know how to start this. Whatever.
1: <laughs> well, because usually we chat for a while beforehand, or right. we've already finished an episode, and then we do this backwards.
0: Right, and that's you know that's uh, a peek behind the curtain i guess another peek behind the curtain we already have the (laughs) unraveling the unraveling was recorded like two weeks ago and so now we're recording this part so hey there you go congratulations a little bit of how podcasts are made
1: (laughs) i don't think there's going to be anything anachronistic about this
0: yeah yeah
1: and if there is time travel yeah totally welcome to our secrets
0: (laughs) uh so what are you drinking tonight nicole
1: I I have my can in front of me because I was going to butcher this otherwise. It's a Swedish cider that I used to be able to get at the cidery in Fort Collins that we liked. But our local liquor store actually had some uh, a couple weeks ago when I was there. And it's called Rekorderle. Swedish hard cider, and this one is passion fruit. I got mixed berry and passion fruit, but I think the passion fruit is my favorite.
0: I love passion fruit everything. Probably even more so than
1: citrus everything. Uh, <laughs> I like both. I was going to have a uh, a nice tequila drink, but I forgot to buy limes today. Yeah. Went to two grocery stores, forgot to buy limes. At both stores, yeah. Yeah, you know. Because I didn't take my meds today. hmm and I didn't have a list.
0: Oh, well, yeah, that's a that's a recipe for coming home with things you did not intend and not things that you did.
1: <laughs> I surprisingly did not end up with that much I did not intend. I went okay. to Dollar Tree. So oh, okay. Yeah. Most of what you buy at Dollar Tree are things that you did not intend. I went in for small baskets to organize my closet because I have been trying to be better about Putting away my laundry when it comes out of the dryer instead of letting it fester in a basket at the base of my bed for three months. Yeah. So, I get it. Yeah. In, in the ecology uh, episode of Ologies, which I've listened to I think four times now, it's the uh, ology of uh, organization. Okay. And um, one thing they suggest is getting yourself containers or boxes or something that you like to look at yeah so dollar tree always has these cute little they're like baby laundry baskets
0: oh yeah yeah, i know
1: so for a buck i picked up three of them so i can organize socks because i don't think i properly thanked becky on air for my christmas gift
0: (laughs) i i know what you because i got it for myself too and i'm like oh my i already had plenty of socks and now i have Uh more And I love it. <laughs> uh so for those who don't know what we're talking about, um it this is uh let's see, they Hank Green from the um Vlog Brothers. So Hank and John Green. Um they've had a YouTube channel for like over 10 years, like from like the time that it started, um, called Vlog Brothers, and then they have a whole bunch of others. But anyway, Hank wanted to do something this year i mean really it started last year to um like he wanted to do like a subscription service thing that all of the proceeds like all the profits went to um their uh a charity that they're supporting called um uh partners in health yes um that is building a hospital in sierra leone and staffing it with um local medical professionals and, um, so he's like, well, what can I do? And and so socks, I decided sock, so- <laughs> like a sock of the month club. And the designs are done by, um, uh, like a different artist. Each, each pair is designed by different artists and it is a limited run. It's just for like, it's just for this year. And so like, if I don't know, he might do something again, um, this like next year i guess check out vlogbrothers see if he announces something that he wants to do again because apparently this was really like those of us who heard about it um really like really loved it and uh they (laughs) they the amount that he thought he was gonna do sold out like almost immediately and so um our first so i got in on the second like I, I didn't get in right at the beginning. I got in before the deadline. Like they had a deadline set to register for it. So we got our first two pairs of socks in February instead of mm-hmm. our first one in January. Those who got in the very first um, in the first group got their started in January. But yeah,
1: so now we, we're going to have 12 pairs, new pairs of socks this year. And it's awesome. And they're, they're high quality socks. Yeah. They're not thin. They're bright colors. They mm-hmm. wear well, mm-hmm. and they don't um, have like really squeezy cuffs. Nope. Or weird toe seams. Right. Or, my favorites are probably the lemons and the strawberries. I wear those the most.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like the lemons a lot. I think there's another one that I uh, the the like there's cats cats in with like flowers, right? Or. Or, there's or explosions boxes or, or something yeah i like those ones too so yeah
1: so all all that to say not this was my this, this was my journey today yeah <laughs> so um we just went on that uh, mental journey with me what are you drinking yeah oh yeah that's what we're
0: doing right okay um i am drinking so i'm drinking wine but it's not the same wine it's a different bottle um this is steven miller old vines and um i do and-
1: love a zinfandel
0: Yes, I do too. Um, and it, Bruce and I opened this bottle of wine the other day, and he's like, "It's kind of spicy." I'm like, "Yeah, it does kind of have a like it hits you at the back of the throat." And it's, I mean, spicy in like spices, not heat. Mm-hmm. So kind of, I mean, I'm not good at like tasting notes or whatever, but you know, it 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 tastes kind of like a, a an unsweet mold wine. I guess i will say. So not like the sickening sweet that like mulling wine, like mold wine can be, but it is still like dry Zinfandel, but with that depth of flavor.
1: I will guess that your tasting notes are black pepper and probably blackberry or dark cherry.
0: Yeah, I would say yes. Black pepper, I would say yes. And then probably dark cherry. I don't think I'd say blackberry. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right.
1: Those are my favorite tasting notes in a red wine. Mm-hmm. If it says black pepper, I will automatically buy it. Nice.
0: Yeah. And of course, like I didn't
1: look at the bottle to see if it says it probably does, but whatever. Well, based on how you're describing it, even if it doesn't, that would be how my not so refined palate would right. describe it. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. I, I can pick beer apart like nobody's business, but mm. why wine I struggle with. Yeah. Same. Yeah.
0: I, have, I probably just have more experience with beer. But also, I mean, I know that there is a lot of possibility for variation within wine, but let's be real, there's more possibility for variation in beer. Like, there's just a lot of things you can do with
1: it. Well, that, and the difference between beer and wine is beer probably actually has that ingredient in it. Right. Yes. Whereas with wine, it's all based on how it's fermented, what it was fermented in, how long it's been fermented, what Where kind of bacteria is in it. Bean. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's why regional wines are so interesting, especially within, like, the U.S.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, because, like, and I am an outspoken opponent. I don't like Napa Valley wines much because mm-hmm. I think that they are overgrown and overprocessed. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I had had Napa Valley wines back in the 70s. Yeah. I would think differently. Also, most of the large vintners out there are pretty horrible people.
0: Oh, well. There you go. I I, I will try to, I don't, I don't know if I've gotten a Napa in a long time. Anyway, I get, I seem to gravitate toward Willamette mm -hmm. um,
1: and this one's a Lodi. Um, We get a lot of Lodi wine. Yeah. So Lodi. And then I love like Arizona and New Mexico wines, but you don't get a ton of those outside of like where we live or if you're going to travel.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I've seen if I've seen any of those, and then of course like New Zealand, but that's not the U.S. But
1: I <laughs> so, love. Sauvignon R- R- Blanc is great. <laughs> so. I love Argentinian and Spanish reds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a good Spanish Tempranillo is probably one of my favorites because it's spicy and jammy all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Nice. If
0: we hadn't already named this uh, episode "Spicy and, Jamie, and would Jammy," Jammy, one. Yep. <laughs> Mike, so, still
1: kara uh, <laughs> Sp- spicy and jammy is my uh slow rock lady rock band yes yes love it we play in jim jams and mm-hmm. it's like a slumber party really so good
0: we, <laughs> we so back uh, i don't know it's been years five or ten years ago uh my two besties and i were talking about like if we formed a band what we call it and w- my uh and dana she said oh i've already got it she's like it would be um our uh nickname would be ifb and the the full name would be ill-fitting bra <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like yes
1: <laughs> uh, solid mm-hmm. so See, that's a that's a good lady punk band yes
0: yeah, yeah yeah which is funny because neither one of them i think would be like punk but but it would be a good lady punk band. Yeah. I don't know. It could surprise me. <laughs>
1: you know, there are so many musical possibilities. It's true. Uh,
0: so let's move into, un- or not unraveling. That's later. First, we're going to do fangirling. We're actually doing we gonna, this week.
1: What do you have, Nicole? We are. And I can't remember if I fangirled about this or not. And I think I have. But the second season is out. And it okay. is halfway, th- no, a quarter of the way through. It's the Owl House on the Disney Channel
0: um maybe you have but i don't know so like go i know tell me about it again
1: i'm pretty sure i've talked about it but i don't remember if it's actually officially been a fangirling yeah um but it's like basic overview which i'm not good at but it's about a human girl who accidentally winds up in um an alternate reality full of or an alternate universe full of witches um and magic and all she's ever wanted in her life is to be a witch because she's different Mm -hmm. and Nobody understands her and she's creative and all in in the real world. All they want to do is put her in a box and tell her to stop. Mm-hmm. Like the, the beginning of the show was her mom sending her to basically a conformity camp. Oh yeah. And she's like, and you'll learn to balance your checkbook and enjoy NPR. And I'm like, weirdos can do that too.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, uh, we're both pretty fucking weird and Those are things that we do, but like that, like anyone can do that. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: But so in her waiting for her bus to take her to camp, she winds up falling through this door um, in a realm full of weirdos and misfits. And Mm -hmm. she finds out that uh, we're all a little weird. But the reason why the show is so special um, Mm -hmm. is it's a huge step not only for representation in children's programming but it is a huge fucking step for disney like ginormous step for disney cool uh it has openly gay characters Mm -hmm. it has bisexual characters it has uh non-binary characters and they are they're not afraid to show it
0: nice yeah it's
1: the whole storyline like Luz in the beginning loses the the human girl who ends up in the the witch realm she is enamored by handsome men and going on quests and like typical teenage girl stuff Mm preteen girl stuff yeah and then she meets this other witch amity and she realizes that she feels weird around her and then she realizes that she is in like with her okay and Amity is uh, clearly a lesbian character, okay. um, and they do not hide any of that. And the her brothers and si- brother and sister make the funniest double entendres about her and Luz. Like okay. there's uh, there's an episode where they're in the library, and the brother and sister catch Luz spying on Amity and she tries to cover and she's like, oh, are you here to pick up Amity? And I can't remember which, if it's the brother or the sister looks at her and goes, "Uh, you're doing a good enough job of that all on your own.
0: (laughs) Nice. Nice.
1: It's little stuff like that, that, Mm -hmm. that they have not been afraid to show. Mm -hmm. Um, And the woman who created the series, she is openly bisexual. Okay, Um, She's actually involved currently with Alex Hirsch, who was oh. the creator of, of Gravity Falls? Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're good friends with Matt Braley, who created, or um, yeah. if he created Amphibia or Big City Greens, I think it's Amphibia, mm-hmm. which is another interesting series about non a non Anglo female character.
2: Wow.
1: Um, and going back, Luz is h- an Hispanic girl. Uh, she goes back and forth between speaking English and Spanish.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They don't subtitle it unless you have the closed captioning on like I do because I'm old and I can't understand shit Uh Uh, but it's it's really it's such a great show for so many reasons Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and it's smart that as an adult I can sit down and watch it and enjoy it as much as my friend's daughter does actually I probably enjoy it more than she does Mm -hmm. but Uh, There are six or seven episodes into the second season. Five of them are currently available on Disney Plus along with the whole first season. Mm -hmm. So if you have Disney Plus, watch it. If you have Disney On Demand, you can watch, I think, most of the episodes. Okay. Um, But The Owl House on the Disney Channel, watch it. It's amazing. It's funny. It's smart. It's representation. It's, It's all the things.
0: Yeah. Sounds great. I need to put that in my list
1: and it looks like it's going to be like ducktales and like gravity falls that it will have a limited run um it's renewed for a third season but it looks like it's three extra long episodes that are going to wrap up the series in its third season mm-hmm. okay. so we'll see how it goes
0: sounds good yeah that's a i i appreciate um limited series mm-hmm. because i i don't know it's just um, like at some point it just gets too uh, too much of a cash grab, and I was actually having a conversation with my manager at work about this the other day because we were talking about British t- television, and um, and like uh, I had mentioned um, Broadchurch and how they made Grace Point, which we haven't. Bruce and I've watched Broadchurch, we haven't watched Grace Point, but um, like and then there's also the different versions of the office too um, mm-hmm. and how they don't like you have to like you can have the same premise maybe but there's so much change that has to happen from one, one to the other whether it starts it as a UK show and becomes a US show or vice versa because of just the way that we do television mm-hmm. and um like doctor who is not typical of british television (laughs) doctor who's more like american (laughs) television um but uh how british television tends to be those more limited series and they'll Uh have like eight to ten episodes a season or a series as they say um and like three to five
1: seasons or years or whatever I don't know what and it's 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 three three to five series basically and sometimes there's multiple years in between them because they're like well we can't do this right now so uh we want to do it but we'll pick it up when everybody's schedules match up
0: exactly whereas in the U.S. we're like all the money and views let's do 25 episodes a year and let's do 10 15 years whenever people just Finally, give up on
1: us. (laughs) And you get disgusted. Yep, and like going back and watching some of the shows, you're like, "This is where it jumped the shark." Thanks, fans. Yeah, so
0: we just kill we 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 beat dead TV shows here
1: (laughs) because if people keep watching, they're gonna keep making them. And CIS, I'm looking at you.
0: Oh my goodness! Yes, yes, Uh, yeah. So but it's uh i'm not entirely sure where i was going with um oh limited i appreciate series. limited series <laughs> so i appreciate the british um method of television where they are limited series where it's like 3 to 5 mm-hmm. um seasons as we call them here um and yeah so yeah that sounds
1: great it is it's wonderful and and really the is, tangential or, Tangential—that is not a word. Yeah. Tangential fangirling mm-hmm. is is the limited series model because they like Hulu and Netflix and Amazon have embraced that. Mm-hmm. And then maybe a couple years down the road, Good Omens. We'll yes. think about. Let's do this again and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, real. And they've they've treated they have treated book adaptations much better in that format mm-hmm. than full length movies
0: um yeah
1: it's that's it, that's one in particular and then um his dark materials mm-hmm. because they were able to really dig into all three books yeah uh, for three seasons well they haven't gotten to the third season yet but we're we're there
0: yeah
1: and like the outsider on hbo oh yeah if you well, haven't well, read the book the book is amazing
0: haven't read the book the we book did is watch good. the series um
1: it's one that didn't make me angry when I watched it because that's I had read good. the book first. Okay, <laughs> that's good. But I've realized those are the kind of Stephen King adaptations I can get behind because his, there's so much in his books.
0: Okay, so um, I have one last thing before we get into the unraveling. But speaking of Stephen King um, books being turned into TV shows, have you watched the new version of The Stand? Not yet. Have you watched the old one? Yes. Okay. I haven't watched the old one. Bruce had watched the old one and he said he liked it. And we watched the new one and I have thoughts <laughs> and I've not read the book nor have I ever watched the old one. But like I, it's kind of like Game of Thrones. I watched the last, like I literally started at the beginning of season eight of Game of Thrones because Bruce, that's like when Bruce moved in and he was had been watching it and I hadn't been watching it because I didn't have cable before he moved in. Anyway. Um, And so I watched the last season and I knew the ending was bullshit. (laughs) And like, I knew nothing. I really didn't know much about, I mean, just like whatever was in the zeitgeist before that. Um, But I didn't really know much about everything leading up to that, but I'm like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense for just this these like eight episodes or whatever it was that last season. And I, I, I enjoyed the stand, but the end was like, what? So that's that
1: is a hallmark of Stephen King, though. That well, the of his stuff makes you go,
0: huh? I have heard because and from Bruce, and then also like Googling a little bit and chatter about it that they're the they took liberties, they took quite a few liberties. So at the very end, and I think it actually, from what I know, I think it was something like an epilogue that Stephen King had written me? i don't know i don't know i'd have to look it up again but anyway but i would like whenever you do get around to watching it i would like to, as someone who has read the book i would like to hear what you think
1: of definitely the, uh, the series so. yeah i've i've been going back and re-listening to a lot of stephen king's stuff that either i listened to parts of or mm-hmm. listened to in the car when my mom was listening to it or have just forgotten about yeah um plus his new stuff Um, Like his most recent, or I guess it's not technically his most recent anymore, The Institute, I gobbled that one up. Uh Um, Not sure how well that one would translate. And that's something I think about a lot when I listen to books. And I think because it's the difference between listening to and reading. Mm -hmm. When I listen, I'm more apt to think about how would this look if I was watching it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I know what you mean. Because as opposed to, like, I use my imagination more when I'm physically reading. I think because I have to concentrate so hard on what I'm doing, uh-huh. that it's a it's a different use of my brain. But yeah. when I'm listening to it, I can get involved in the story more mm-hmm. and see, like, who does this character remind me of? If I were to cast this, who would I cast in this part? Yeah. This is why when they make tv shows and movies about books i like i'm upset because that is not who i saw in that part
0: <laughs> because i was wrong yeah i have some opinions about some movies that i've watched that I've <laughs> the, books that, the books that i've read and the movies i've watched were mm-hmm. like books i've read of the same series even if i haven't watched read that book and i've seen the movie um i had a big clive Custler um phase so really era yeah when i lived in kenya um i found and i'm not gonna say that like it is it is beach read material it, it, it is beach read material but they're also long um mm-hmm. and sahara was completely wrong i've not read the book i've read other books uh, with those same characters like the same series like the same people
1: that movie was not great
0: no just in general the movie was not great the casting was completely wrong as well <laughs> so yes <laughs> anyway we we should probably get into the unraveling because we probably is should
1: <laughs> sorry this is book chat with becky and nicole
0: <laughs> right yeah so we have um for unraveling this week our friend kara um who came to talk with us about uh being the parent of a non-binary child. Okay, for our unraveling today, we have with us our friend Kara. Um, Hey, Kara. Hey. Um, So, Kara is here to talk about um, her experience as a parent of a non-binary child. Um, We've had Um, some friends of ours on who are non-binary themselves. And um, we wanted to get a parent's uh, perspective. And um, yeah, I think that's the introduction. So (laughs) I am super awkward, you know, we all know this by now. Um, So I guess let's just start off with um, how, I guess lead us through the um, story of like how your child how you came to know that your child was non-binary.
2: Okay. Um, So, I mean, if I really look back, right, I can see all these little hints and signs kind of Mm -hmm. throughout their childhood. I was laughing the other day. I pulled up a picture from six years ago and they're in this cute little outfit and they've got on these blue tennis shoes. Mm -hmm. And I remember purchasing them from the boys side of the store yeah, I'm home with them, and my husband being like, uh, "Are those board shoes?" And I was like, "Yeah, but it's the ones they wanted." So mm-hmm. you know, no big deal, right? right. Um, and so there's little things like that that I can look back on now and and sort of see those things. But um, I guess it really started maybe, gosh, maybe two years ago, mm-hmm. and it started with a lot of questions, um, and a lot of questions about um, gender a lot of questions about gender identity, um, sort of, they were asking me, did I, did I know what non-binary meant? Did I know what trans meant? And at the time I thought they were just curious and looking back again, I kind of think they were feeling me out. Mm -hmm. I think some of it was maybe, um, them gaining some knowledge, but I think a lot of it was them sort of Testing the waters to see how I responded to those questions. Right. Um, And, you know, some of it I didn't know much about at the time. And so I would just say, I don't know, but I can Google it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. And so I would Google it and I would read and I was like, you know, I would say, does this sound like what your understanding of non binary is? Does this sound like your understanding of, you know, being lesbian means or, you know, that kind of thing? Um, So that's kind of how it started.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then maybe about six months after those questions started, um, they came to me and said, um, you know, mom, I'm non-binary mm-hmm. and this sort of kind of dropped it and walked away. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, so they are 13 now. So yeah, so probably about 12, 11 and a half, 12, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how we started. And then, um, they're, they've shifted a little bit. There was some question early on about sexuality and where they fit on that spectrum but they seem pretty settled now that that they're lesbian and Mm -hmm. so that's that's where we are
0: yeah (laughs) and like we talked about with Sarah a few weeks ago it's like you you continue to develop as you get older too so like that's where that's where they are now and it it sounds like uh, you're open enough that if they realize later that there's something more about their identity, then you'll be fine with that as well.
2: Sure. And we've had that conversation. Um, I've had that conversation with them. And then my husband and I have had that conversation separate to say, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: you know, at the time they're 12
0: Mm -hmm. and
2: that's not to discount um, where they think they are right now. Right. But just to say, there was a lot about myself. I didn't know when I was 12. There's a lot about myself. I don't know at 43. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and so I don't want to say to them, well, but you said you were binary or you said you were, yeah. or yeah. you know, whatever that may be, um, because I, there are some things I was pretty certain of at 12, you know, but a lot I wasn't. And so, um, I think trying to affirm where they are now, but also not sort of sticking that label on with super glue.
1: Yeah, maybe. definitely. Because I know at 12, boys were still kind of icky to me. So, I mean. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, we've had the conversation
2: because, you know, other people, even other relatives will say to me, but, you know, they've never had a boyfriend. How do they know? And then I usually respond with, well. Like, You've never had a girlfriend. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did have have my husband, Did you have to have a girlfriend or a boyfriend to know that you like girls? Like, mm-hmm. for most people, I think, it, you kind of know at 12. Kinda. If you're gonna like boys or girls, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I mean, I knew at twelve, kind of where I fit. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think just getting—it's so hard. I think in the heteronormative society, mm-hmm. you know, we assume that if you're outside of the norm, that maybe you don't fully know if you haven't experienced the normal.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I think
0: that
1: trying to shift the way people
0: are thinking is hard.
1: Yeah. It's he, it's getting there. Yeah. Slowly but it's getting there.
0: Yeah. And I, at 12, I knew, I knew that I liked boys. I didn't yet realize. And I think this is, you know, it was also 25 plus years ago that, um, that I also like girls because of many reasons. Um, And yeah. Yeah. I mean, you do at 12, you do know a lot about yourself and you do find out more. And so like, yeah, it's exactly. I I like what you said about like um, affirming where they are now and also leaving room open for Mm -hmm. anything more
1: they learn about themselves in the future. Well, and who knows the language may change more. Right. Right.
2: And I think that's a huge thing. Conversation I've had with other relatives too is, is our kids have so much more language available to them Mm -hmm. to describe themselves than we did mm-hmm. yeah. or than that's I did. Right I didn't, I mean, I don't know that I had even heard the word non-binary three years ago. Right. Years ago. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, but for them, even if they heard that term three years ago, that, you know, they were 10. That, mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. way easier to work into your vocabulary at 10 than it is at 43. Or if I'm talking to my mom about
1: it, than at 75, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm that's that's actually the same conversation I've been having with my mom lately because my mom is affirming, but she doesn't she she's at a point in her life where she's like, she's like, I just don't even understand the language anymore mm-hmm. because she grew up in in theater, in opera, within the gay community so I mean this has always just been a part of who she was but she's like now I just don't even know and and I laughed at her I'm like you sound like the little old ladies I just don't know what's happening (laughs) and so like we had a a long conversation about my understanding of non-binary which and I think that because I'm not it's it again it's only my understanding and I told her I'm like go back and listen to our episode with with Keegan and listen to some of our episodes the last couple weeks. Yeah. Um, I think that it'll, it'll make a whole lot more sense to you when you hear it from their perspective, mm-hmm. because I'll like, I can only tell you about like, like I know that I am female. I am cis hetero. Like I just know this about myself. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what it's like to feel like you, you are not the thing that everybody has just assumed that you are. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, And I'm actually very proud of the parents who have these open conversations with their young children, because they're at an age where it's easier for them to interpret and understand the language than it is, you know, we'll wait until you're older and we'll talk about it. Wait until you're older and we talk about it. And it's either, it's just like sex. Either you learn about it the wrong way, (laughs)
0: learn
1: about it at church, or you experiment and make some pretty bad decisions. Mm -hmm.
2: I think one of the great things for us is that um, my kid has some pretty great friends Mm -hmm. who are very accepting and who have taught their parents on our behalf.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Um,
2: Because I think the kids just get it easier.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, And so, you know, then they can explain it you know, to their parents, <laughs> yeah, in mm-hmm. kind of an ongoing conversation in a way that's a little bit tougher for me to have, and so we've been very fortunate in that department.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, and I mean, it does make sense because, like, I, when you're a kid and you're growing, you are learning language. Like, mm-hmm. it, um there are reason there's a reason why we go to school is to learn things, and one of those is language, and so it, 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 they're. Brains just are more absorb
1: absorbing of knowledge and information, um, and stretchy and flex- and flexible and pliable, and Right. able able to grasp these concepts in better ways than our middle aged yeah. brains.
0: Yeah, and you know, it. I'm sure that people our age had conversations similar to this, just a, about a different subject when we were ten. To fifteen years old, like it, it just was something different. I, every generation does have something that they are that they are doing that the previous generations were like, "What? That's new." <laughs> so, yeah, and a lot of them really aren't new at all. It's just like more open.
1: <laughs> well, like I, I look at it in terms of because I grew up in conservative Christianity and I went to private school where my general existence was frowned upon. Mm-hmm. Um, a, being a woman, B, being someone who's taught to be independent and think for herself and C, someone who did not adhere to social constructs well. So like what we were doing at 12 was coloring our hair with Kool-Aid against all of our dress code. I so, was I mean, it's,
0: too, but I had black hair naturally. So that didn't ah,
1: <laughs> See, it's the upside to being a blonde. Yeah. But we were, you know, we those were the things we were railing against. And I know this is a horribly trite comparison, but. Like things that are now commonplace are, you know, those of us who have purple hair, blue hair, green hair in the workplace, Mm -hmm. visible tattoos in the workplace.
2: I was just going to say visible tattoos is a huge one, I think.
1: Yeah. And, you know, because our generation normalized it. Right. So hopefully with their generation, we can normalize language. Right. Mm -hmm. We can normalize acceptance. We can normalize knowing that not everyone is going to fit into this square box. Right? Yeah. Cuz I mean, and and even those of us who are are cishet white whatever all the things that you can call us. Um I mean, and, and like there's different colors of us too. I mean, like I'm like I love my husband, but if something were to happen to him, I don't ever want to get married or be romantically involved with anybody. Does that like it doesn't necessarily make me asexual?
2: Oh, that is so interesting. I know not what we're talking about really right now, but go for it. Yeah. But, um, gosh, I was, I have been thinking about this a lot lately. I don't know why, Mm -hmm. but, um, I kept thinking, I don't think I can say that out loud to people. They're going to think I'm weird. I adore my husband. I don't want anything to happen to him, but if something does like I'm done. Uh Mm Uh-huh.
1: No, I made, I made this decision probably 15 years ago where I'm just like, you know what? I got married at 21. That's no secret. Greg and I have been together for 20. I just did this math this morning, like 23 years. Mm -hmm. We're celebrating our 19th wedding anniversary this year. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: We are an anomaly. I get that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But quite frankly, I don't want to ever do it again. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Like there's so much, like there's so much pressure in the sex and dating world yep. that I just, I don't have the energy for. Yeah. And like I said, and the part of me is like, well, does that like, I'm like would that then in turn make me asexual? Would I become part of the spectrum because I choose not to, but I think it's I more think. like I'm choosing to be celibate and alone because I hate people.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: To, Cause
0: I'm like, Ugh. you. It's you just want to go through the hassle. Like you I
1: don't. Not, it's horrible.
0: Like sex is not is not enough of a drive for you to go through that hassle. It's not. So, like, like, yeah.
1: like. human connections, I like, like I have hugged more people in the last month than I probably have in the last 3 years. Uh-huh. Like so that's a huge step for me, but I still don't want to live with another person mm-hmm. for the rest of my life if like that choice was given to me.
2: I agree. And it's weird you say you're an anomaly. So my husband and I are celebrating our 20th anniversary this year. Uh-huh, that nice. is. So we got married when I was 23, but we have been dating since I, we started dating when I was 16. Oh, wow, yeah. We, we met right before I turned 18. Yeah, high school sweethearts is, you know, a thing that doesn't necessarily
0: mm-hmm.
2: work out really well, but it has mm-hmm. spots and that's great, but I don't want to like do it again.
0: Mm-hmm. My <laughs> my sister, so I, before we started recording my sister who I said is just had her 17th anniversary with her husband. Um, she is 36. Uh, (laughs) they got married at, uh, he was 18. She was 19. (laughs) So yeah, they're also an anomaly like that where they, uh, um, met in met in high school, like probably like, um, her senior year and, um, they just were, mature enough they were enough themselves and have grown together that it
1: works and they're yeah so and and to be fair i think i knew who i was more at 19 and 20 than i do at 40 yeah <laughs> like if that's legitimately a thing
0: Uh huh. i mean if it's your experience then it is legitimate
1: <laughs> so, yeah it's like the older i get the more i've let the world creep into my consciousness and my, mm. my way of life. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, when I was a teenager, I gave zero fucks because it was fun to piss off the patriarchy and to piss off the church mm-hmm. um, as an adult. then I'm like, I guess I have to tone it down and get a job like a grown up. And I did for a long time. And then I finally had a boss who was like, you should color your hair. Like that is legitimately what she said to me is you should color your hair.
0: Was that the, the type eight doc? Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah. And, well, and because I had been joking with another coworker that I was going to, I was, uh, I was tired of being pegged as a, a dumb blonde. Mm-hmm. And she goes, no, no. I mean, like, you should color your hair. Like, we should go to the store right now and buy you some hair color. hmm And so that's, that's how I ended up starting this. And then she was like, you should shave the sides of your head and get a mohawk. <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong. And like, and and she's the one she bought me gift cards to do the big tattoo on my back. That was like, that was my Christmas birthday and employee appreciation gift from her Mm -hmm. was the big tattoo on my back. Cause she's like, you deserve to like live out loud because, and she's again, this was a doctor who had full sleeves and a tongue ring and swore all the time. So, I mean, we, we kind of stood out in the medical world um, anyway. And then, you know, I quit that job and like, I started to tone my appearance down again. Cause I'm like, I have to get another job. And then luckily I started working where I work now. And they're like, Hey, you should color your hair again. Cause we all really like it. <laughs> and then they were all like, you should totally go talk to your doctor about being treated for ADHD. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But it's funny how, you know, now at 40, I'm finally, I think I, I, it's a renaissance. Mm -hmm. that's what I'm gonna call it it's a renaissance yeah Yeah. like I'm I'm discovering who I am and I I think talking to all of my friends kids because I'm still cool because I don't have kids and I'm not their parent Mm -hmm. and learning their stories have helped me so much be a better version of myself and a more true version of myself because like my eight-year-old niece is like why don't you do this anymore I'm like, well, because I'm old and old people don't do that. And she's like, I don't care. I want you to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, how do you say no to an eight-year-old? Right. Like she wants to be the, be the best version of myself. So I'm not going to disappoint her, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> and like, she's the one who always tells me I should go do things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, listen to your kids. Uh, you know, and I think that's important. I think
2: that's one of the things like with my kids, especially with Zane, mm-hmm. um, because I did grow up with sort of a rebellious streak and loud and opinionated. And then I very quickly learned to not be that person because Mm -hmm. I didn't like that person. Mm -hmm. Right. Or that person wasn't like socially acceptable, Yep. especially coming from my parents. You know, they wanted me to be nice and quiet and, you know, a good girl and all of that. And so really from very young, it's sort of been my goal for that not to be Zane's experience.
0: Yeah. Like
2: I don't, they have always been fiery and independent and I never wanted to be the person that took that away from them so that they had to figure out how to find that again later in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully all of this conversation that we're having now means that we're, I'm accomplishing that goal. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? um, but because it is hard when you put all that stuff in a box to try to unpack it later in life. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I look at other relatives who lived closeted for 50 years and trying to unpack that late in life and trying to become that, that person that they really were and how hard that is and how much shame and guilt and all of that, that they still carry like, and I just don't want, I don't want that for any of my kids, mm-hmm. but especially for Zane. And mm-hmm. you know, because I think, being born a girl being born female being assigned that label also comes with some other baggage that we don't necessarily assign to boys right Mm -hmm. and i didn't want them to have to carry that Mm -hmm. their whole life hopefully that means we're doing a good job
0: (laughs) well and just that just that zane was comfortable coming to you and even comfortable like testing the waters with you um, is a testament to the relationship that you had cultivated with them um, before that. So like, that's the thing, like, like Nicole mentioned um, about like talking with kids about sex too. It like, it does not start at puberty or whatever. It starts with having open conversations and allowing your kids to, or allowing your kids to know that you are that you were safe to come to with whatever they needed to talk with you about. Um, it's, and I, I know that some generations of parents were just not like, just had too much on their plate to do that. Or my parents just had all kinds of untreated and or undiagnosed emotional and mental health problems. Um, so like, they just didn't have the spoons for all this stuff. But yeah, like, I, I think that's another Maybe that's another thing hopefully that Gen X and millennial parents are doing right is like trying to keep those lines of communication open with their kids.
2: I think so. I think at the very least, most of them realize how important it is. I mean, my mom, I grew up with my mom being very open about sex at least. Mm -hmm. So that was something I went into parenting knowing ahead of time that I wanted to be upfront and open with my kids about sometimes now with my 17 year old son there are moments I wish we weren't quite so open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe there are some things your mom doesn't need to know. Um, but just, kind of, right. Right. I don't want to shut down the conversation, but, um, but it's interesting that my best friend is, does not have that open relationship with her kids, mm-hmm. but she wants me to. So I talk to them about this stuff. So like she realizes that it's important in a way that I think a lot of our parents generation, they wouldn't have even gone to a friend and said, Hey, can you have this conversation? Right. Uh You know? So at least there's definitely more awareness, I think with gen X parents. Yeah. Yeah. Probably with millennial parents.
0: I like that. She, she wants that. She wants to have that open communication, but she doesn't know how to, and she knows you know how to. Which, you know, that's the whole village raising a child thing too. Like if you, if there's something that you are not great at, or like you don't, it's not your strength as a parent, but you have a friend who does have that strength. Yeah, by all means. Right. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, and it's it, it's sort of like that. It, it's an article that goes around periodically. Um, it was probably from the Atlantic or the New Yorker. Cause I'm bougie like that, but it was why, why aunties are important. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we, just because we choose not to have our own kids doesn't mean we don't play a vital role in other people's kids' lives.
0: Yeah. That's the thing. Like I've always wanted to be the, the aunt who my nieces and nephews, like I, I said back some years ago, like if they ever feel like they have to run away from their parents for any reason, like I want them to run to my house Mm -hmm. and like and know that they can come here and I will let their parents know that they are safe and we will figure it out yeah (laughs) so yeah yeah having those extra adults yeah
2: kids lives is so important those extra Mm -hmm. safe adults Mm
0: -hmm. well I mean I think that's a I I think that's enough (laughs) like a (laughs) a good stopping point um unless there's anything else um yeah um it was great getting your your experience as a parent of a child who's um, who identifies as non-binary and uh, I mean, we'll see how, how they develop and uh, yeah. and hopefully we have more parents out there. I know that in our circles, like in the pub, in the tavern, we have uh, many parents of, um, of LGBTQ kids and, um, and it's really it really is very encouraging to see how they all relate to their kids too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I know that there are many others out there who aren't part of our groups, though. You can join the Twister Tavern. I did not intend to do this, but like, you know, <laughs> I, I, there are many things that I'm, rem- I am doing again. Like I feel like I'm back in a better mental place too and physical place. So um, I remember to plug the Tavern Patreon.com slash Twisted Sisters. At least a dollar a month gets you into the tavern um, and you get to meet uh, these people who are so awesome um, and are raising their kids well. (laughs) Um, But I know there are many out there who are also like accepting and affirming of their LGBTQ kids.
1: Well, and I wish I could find the article because I read a lot, but I forget where I find stuff. And I've talked about this before, the um, percentage of Gen Y that identifies as gender queer versus Gen X and uh, millennials,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Gen Z. Sorry, Gen Z, because um, it's like eighty something percent of kids, like ten to nineteen, mm-hmm. uh, would consider themselves gender queer. Wow, wow! And then uh, for millennials, it drops to like. 40 percent and i think mm-hmm. gen x it's like 18 percent yeah that makes sense <laughs> yeah. yeah but it was just it was just so interesting to see that you know kids are our understanding of the fact that things are not black and white mm-hmm. right? and if we don't push our agenda on them right it's gonna be like it will continue to be a bright rainbow of uh humanity out there that i think we need yeah Absolutely.
0: For sure. Thanks, Kara, for joining us. Thanks for having me. And I think Kara has time to stick around and answer our 10 nerdy and ridiculous questions in question time, um, which you can get as a $5 or more a month patron at patreon.com slash <laughs> Twisted Sisters is now part of the Wild Goose Goosecast Network, a network of faith-based podcasts discussing issues of inclusion and social justice. To learn more about the Wild Goose Festival, go to wildgoosefestival.org. Natalie Wells edited this episode. Our theme song was written by Michael Basinger and it was performed by Key and Nuts. The closing music was created and performed by Andy Moore and the transition music by Sean O'Shea. Our artwork was done by Cheyenne Davis of Shay's Designed. You can contact her at davischeyenne.com to do your graphic design project. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at twisted sisters and on Facebook as twisted sisters podcast and share the magic by becoming a patron at patreon.com/twisted sisters.